7, 24 to 27. That was sort of a heavy sort of a, a start, wasn't it? But um, seriously, if, if faith's not real then in, in real life situations, then what's it for? So it's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I'm just going to unpack this a little bit this morning and I think it's going to help us. Therefore, everyone, Jesus speaking, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash." Now Jesus spoke these words at the end of three chapters of teaching from Matthew 5 through to Matthew 7. And in those three chapters of teaching, Jesus flipped absolutely everything on its head. Absolutely everything. He starts in Matthew 5 with with talking about who is actually blessed. And it's utterly different to who you would think. And so he says things like this. Those that are blessed are those that are poor in spirit. He flips it. The world tells us the utter opposite. He says this, blessed are those who mourn. It was yesterday. It didn't look very blessed to me. It just looked like agony to me. And it was. And yet Jesus wants us somehow to flip something and, and, and recognise there's, there's, there's some spiritual, some heavenly grace that can apply and, and flow in situations like that. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for justice. I love that. That blessed are those who have a longing and a yearning and a hope and a desire that justice would be done on the earth. That, that there would be fairness, that there would be, be quality, be all of those things. That's this hunger on the inside of us. Blessed are those who are humble, merciful, of pure heart, who work for peace, those who are persecuted and lied about. And then he goes on and says a whole bunch of other things. Turn the other cheek. You know, if someone wrongs you, then bless them back. Talks about divorce, talks about money, talks about adultery, talks about anger, talks about pretty much everything under the sun. Flips everything on its head for three chapters and finishes with addressing this great disconnect between hearing what he says and actually doing it. And so that's when that verse comes in, where he says that those who have their house built on a rock-solid foundation, they not only hear the things that I've just said, but they put them into practice. So today, may we have a greater understanding by the end of this morning in how to put into practice the things that we're hearing God say to us. So, that's where we're going to go this morning. I love this verse in Ephesians 5, 25 to 26. It was funny this morning. I was, because of everything that happened yesterday, I was going to prepare yesterday afternoon. I was going to watch the football prepare, watch the football prepare, watch the football prepare. Um, but, but then life happened. And so my preparation was basically this morning and I finished it literally at 10 a.m. in the car this morning and Eb's texting me saying, what are the verses for this morning? And, um, and so every time I got a verse, oh, this is the, like I'm writing it, I'd text to the next verse. This is the next verse. This is the next verse. This is the next verse. What was it, about two minutes to 10? I sent the last one. I said, finito. And so, so um, 
So at least we've got verses. Um, so that's, that's, it, all, it all came together brilliantly. So if the message sucks, it's because I'm slightly underdone. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. And this is a bit I want to focus on. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. What an incredibly powerful concept that is introduced here by Paul. That there is something about the word of God that washes and cleanses. That takes the dust and the grime and the grot off. And it actually brings cleansing, cleanness. And it washes, it washes, it washes, it washes. And that's the power of the word of God. That's the power when we can actually apply it in our life. It, it does something to us that washes and cleanses. Uh, such is its power. I love that picture when we all sit under a message or we read a chapter of the Bible, that that's what's supposed to happen. That as we sit and as we read and as we absorb and we take the time, the words don't just, they're not just words on a page, but they, they actually come alive and they wash and they cleanse and they actually just free us up from some stuff that's attached to our life. That's the power of the word. And I wonder if sometimes we don't give it enough space in our life to do that. Because if we do, the promise is that there'll be a washing, a cleansing, as the word just does something to us and in us. I love that the word of God cleanses us. It brings order. It corrects our lives. The great power is in the word of God. But to do that, we have to honour it. We have to give it first place, to chew on it, to wrestle with it so some questions but and you know wherever we're at with this stuff may we just grow in it so have we read the bible all the way through now that sounds like a great pursuit i can tell you what if you start doing that it's a great thing to do but some bits are just wicked boring as rachel would say in the old days so so it's it's just seriously so and so begat so and so and this is how you deal with skin diseases who like gives a flip about that but but I, it's a really good thing to do. Just decide to read through the whole lot and, and just let it wash. Some of it's going to be just like, this is just a chore. But some of it, I can guarantee you, will come alive to you. And it will be life to you. <laughs> have we read more of the Bible or have we read more Christian books about the Bible? Because I wonder sometimes if we read Christian books, we're getting something a little bit secondhand. Which maybe we should go to the source itself and just let let the holy spirit speak to us as we sit alone with the word or in this context together and let him speak not through the filter of whoever so so may have have we have we read and valued the word enough to do that there is something incredible about setting aside some time maybe even just taking 10 minutes a day to read a chapter or two taking it slow Asking God to bring it alive to you and hearing God speak to you personally words of life. When life's been darkest for me, this is what helped me most, seriously. This is, this, this is what helped me most. A word from God came alive to me and it cut through the darkness time and time again. This is what helped me the most. 
And I remember what it felt like before that word came. It felt, I remember feeling in turmoil, felt exactly like that Bible verse I read. I felt like I had no anchor, felt like my house was just shaking all over the place. And it was a horrible feeling. And, and then the word of God came. So it's a little something, Mark, this is what I say about this. And it, it just felt like rock was built under my house. And so I'm still, the storm's still, nothing, the situation hadn't gone away. But all of a sudden, the shake was less and went away eventually. Because why? Because the word had built some rock underneath my life. May that be our experience as well. So I want to talk a little bit about Gethsemane and what happened to Jesus. And if you want to read some of that, you can read that in Luke 22. I didn't give this verse to Ebby. So Gethsemane. It was a time when, um, when Jesus shook the most in his life. It was a dark night of the soul, it's often referred to as, which is very poetic, but it was just a crap night in every way, manner and form for Jesus. Jesus at that moment. So the, the backstory, story, some of you don't know, Jesus was about to face crucifixion and death. He knew it was probably going to happen. And he was, he was incredibly distressed about it. And so this Gethsemane was the, was the garden where Jesus prayed all night, God, if there's any other way, I, 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 to, I, I don't want to do this. this, this is, there's nothing good in this. And, I'm, and this is the battle that Jesus went through. He, Jesus desperately needed God to speak. It actually says in the Bible that his sweat came like blood. Jesus was in a storm and Jesus wanted that storm taken away. He wanted the storm to, to disappear. Oh. And, and out of that moment, the father says to the son, son, I can't. I, I can't. There's no other way. You, you have to walk through this. And Jesus wrestled with that with God. So G, Jesus gets this word from God which says there is no, there's no way around this. You just have to go through this. And we read about the turmoil of Jesus such that he was sweating blood. But for the next 48 hours, as Jesus actually went through it, do we see that same level of distress again? No. Why? Because when God spoke to Jesus, some rock was established for the next couple of days. There was some strength established for the next couple of days. So when he needed to keep his mouth quiet, Jesus could. When he needed to endure the suffering, he could. When he needed to endure the torment, he could. Why? Because he knew God was right beside him and carrying him through it. That's the power of the word of God. Between sweating blood and the resolve to do what has to be done, such is the power of the word of God and the voice of God in our life to actually settle some things for us. Even if it isn't what we want from God, even if it's not what we want to hear, I can guarantee you the word of God will build rock and, and strength under your life. You know, when the Bible says Jesus sweated um, blood, that wasn't hyperbole, like it wasn't intentional exaggeration. That was legitimate. There, there's actually a medical condition for it and it's called, excuse me all clinicians here for getting it wrong, Hematidrosis, all right? So it's Google it, Google knows everything. Uh, and this is this actual medical condition. Now, I experienced this a few weeks ago. So I used to read that and think this is, nah, it's just, well, that's quite poetic, quite dramatic. So, so, so Monday to Friday, I work in child protection and um, I've got some really 
incredibly challenging kids uh, that, I, that I work with, probably some of the most difficult in our region. And um, anyway, one of these kids acts up really badly when he's at school to the point where the whole school gets locked down literally for hours on end and police come and ambulances and there's a whole bunch of stuff goes on. It's incredible. This kid is, is, is incredible. And um, anyway, so one of these incidents happened and because when stuff like that happens, we have to try and work out what to do next. This is just, you know, what do we do now? Um, and um, so th this is what was going on. Anyway, I was talking to the acting principal who'd had to deal with the situation. I, you know, I just asked her how you are really actually interesting because we, you know, Lisa works in the same field but we're always dealing with, you know, clinicians, psychologists, doctors, professionals in a whole bunch of areas. The number of times people ask them how they are, I think it's quite rare and so I've taken to the how are you because we deal with some stuff that's really intense and she said actually I'm okay now but she said when it happened I was bleeding from the eyes and, and I said that was stress wasn't it? She said yeah that was stress. So, that the, the level of distress and psychic pain Jesus was going through was incredible until he got a word from God and something settled, some strength came, some resilience came for him. Is this making sense? It's, I know it's an intense topic in a way, but may strength be built in us. I love what Jesus says when he says this in Matthew 4, verse 4. It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of God's mouth. May that be our testimony. May it be our story that our life is built on the words that God speaks to us, on the things that we know to be true about him. May it do something in us that just builds this incredible strength in us as his words bring life to us. A return to power is a return to his word. A return to confidence is a return to his word. A return to strength is a return to his word. If I'm lacking strength and confidence, I know where I have to go. I have to hear from God. He has to speak to me because that's where strength sits. So one of the things that is important in this is that God protects us, or the word of God protects us from wrong voices. Who knows that there's more than one voice that we hear? There's more than one influence in our life. And um, who, who knows, is it just me? Or you, all got, it, you got it down, it's all clear, you, your thoughts are always awesome and everything's good. Put your hand up if that's you. So Larry and, Larry's, Larry and Andy, are, you, for everyone else here, everyone else here, this is for you. And if you have any problems and need any help in any area of life, no matter how big, Larry and Andy are going to fix it for you based, based, on, based on that. All right. There's some really confusing voices out there and I reckon possibly the one that's one of the ones that's really hard to understand and recognize is the voice of society so there's society has a voice the environment we live in the generation we live in the country we live in has a has a voice and that voice speaks to us all the time the bible talks to that when it says that do not conform to the standards of what this, this world, this society, but be transformed. So this society, it has a voice. The standards of this society have a voice in us. And here's the thing, we study, we live, we go to school, we exist, we work in the context of this marination in society. 
And so we'd be foolish to think that somehow we can live in it and breathe it and, and sit in it and not be affected by it. That somehow that the, the, the influence it has on us, there's no, there's no influence. So the society we live in, that we are steeped in, that we're brought up in, even church culture, has an incredible impact and effect on us. And definitely, um, one of the things that's important is, I think we have to intentionally come out of that and step outside of it. That's why church, one of the reasons, is so important. Because we're surrounded by values and whatever else all the time. Coming together like this for a couple hours on a Sunday, it's really important. Because we step out of something and into something different. That's why reading the word for 10 minutes a day is really important. Because what will happen otherwise, you'll get into your day and society will just, the voice, the voice, the voice will come all through the day. Why not start the day with 10 minutes with the Holy Spirit and you and the word of God? Letting him speak to you about your day before all the other voices start to kick in. Make sense? Why don't, why don't we maybe think about if we could do that a little bit differently? Maybe like Larry, we've got it all down. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and you know, I know I'm joking. So we, you know, you know these guys are humble. We, we know. We know where our strength comes from. So the word of God goes deeper than what the society says and the voices around us say. Little, little caution. <laughs> That's my prodigy of a granddaughter. So that was her amen. She's lapping up every bit, bit of this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, let's be really careful of this view that the world is evil because actually... The world is created by God and there is so much good in the world. But there is also corruption in the world. Because otherwise, you know, the church is good or the kingdom of God is good and everything out there is evil. It messes up how we interact with the world that we live in. So a couple of thoughts on that for a minute. Um, um, some of you know, um, in Sydney for three years I studied psychology, did my degree in psychology. Last year or two I've worked, like I said, in child protection. Monday to Friday, um, that work really is helping families be free and flourish. Uh, that's, all, that's all that we do. And um, that training and that experience has been a godsend. Now, that's secular training. That's secular experience. But the things that I've learned in those four or five years and the training that I've been given has been incredible. There's so much good out there that we can access as long as we don't recognise it's all evil out there, it's all good in here. There is, there is so much of what, how my faith informs what I do Monday to Friday and vice versa. So I just want to, let's be careful of this lazy dualism where that's us and them, it's, it's good and bad. It's not, it's not like that. There's values underpinning a lot of what society says that really are dangerous. Uh, there's, there's also things that we can apprehend and help us grow as people as well. And a little, I suppose, a testimony. I've almost found no conflict between what I do now in the world and my faith. It's almost none. They, they coexist really well and one informs the other. So, number one, voice of society. Understand we're in it. Its effects are really subtle and they can be very strong. Um, but the word of God trumps all that. Makes sense? Um, maybe that's one we don't think of sometimes. Um, next voice, and then I'm just going to talk about how we actually put things into practice and then we'll wrap it up probably in about 10 minutes. 
the voice of torment. I think most of us would have experienced times or know people who've, who have an inner voice that just torments them, who just tells them stuff that binds them up in whatever, fear, self-hate, whatever it is. There is a voice of torment. And I want to tell you a little story, and this has happened Friday, two days ago. Um, so um, one, of, one of the families I work with, the mum's got mental health issues and probably psychosis, you know, like schizophrenia type stuff is one of those. And, um, and so what, what will happen with mum, she hasn't got care of her kids and um, that's somewhere else. And so what happens with mum is she gets incredibly stressed and anxious and just phones the office constantly, visits the office constantly. Are my kids safe? Are they safe? Are they safe? They're not safe. They're not safe. I know they're not safe. You know, can you promise me they're safe? You know, all this. So torment, 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 torment going on. And so um, I talked to her about three times on Friday. Um, and it wasn't things weren't getting better. And she came back into the office. And so I'll just, rather, I'll just have a talk about this. And so I just, just asked her, um, has anyone ever talked about whether you have any mental health issues? Now, of course, we know what we know. But... Um, so she said, yeah, actually, this is, this is what the information I have. She showed me the information. She had a little letter from a doctor saying what was going on for her. And, um, and I said, what's that like? What is, what is, how does that affect you? Um, and she, I said, do you hear voices? And once again, I knew that because I, yeah, yes, I do. And um, she said, well, what, I said, what do those voices tell you? And here we get to the crux of it. She's, now, this, she's been through so much, history's horrific. Um, those voices tell me my kids are unsafe. Those voices tell me my kids are in danger. Those voices tell me their kids are going to die. Torment, 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 torment. And uh, this, this felt like a little God moment. And, um, and it was a little flash from heaven. So I just, you know, sitting at a table and eye to eye. And um, just said, do you think those voices are telling you the truth. And it was like a, a moment. You could just see she, her face was arrested. It's like, like not, not slapped in a good way. It's like, and, and she just said, um, do you think maybe they're not? Now, for someone with schizophrenia, I'm not gonna oversimplify it. It's incredibly difficult, often lifetime battle. But there was a little moment where maybe, with a bit of reinforcement in the weeks ahead, we'll be able to come back to that and say, do you remember that maybe me saying to you that some of those voices and what they're saying might not be actually the truth? So, I wonder how many people we know are, are dealing with voices that bring torment. And maybe they need to understand how to handle that a little bit differently. So, um, like I said, I'm not naive enough to know that's going to change everything. But the Bible says this, and I love this verse in Romans 8:32. The truth will set you free. And so what was that story I just described? I think in a small way, there's a little encounter with a little bit of truth that maybe will bring a little bit of freedom. And I just wonder for us, may, if it's for us or for people we know, may we recognise when there's a voice of torment and may we be able to identify it and say, uh-uh, that's not God. That's some other voice from whatever, whether it's evil, whether it's trauma, whether it's dissociation, whatever it might be, it's not God.
and um, it's not going to be life to us. It's not going to build anything strong under our feet. So that's voice of society, number one. Tormenting voices, number two, we're going okay so far? All right. Um, look, we might already all know this. Great, then just humour me and just, just not occasionally look like it's news. Some of this stuff's helpful. So, all right, so... Um, isn't it cool to know that if we're hearing tormenting voices, we can actually learn to compartmentalise them and tell them to shut up in Jesus' name and to choose to believe other voices, particularly the voice of God. Maybe the hardest one, though, is our own voice. Um, so the point of all this, obviously, if we can work out that's me, that's torment, that's society, it's going to help us work out what's God, yeah? That's, that's why I'm going down this path for a little while. Um, it's not torment, our own voice normally, but it's still not God. Our own voice <laughs> is where the doubts sit, where the fears sit, where the lack of confidence sits. <laughs> like society, it's a hard one to recognise. I don't feel confident. I don't think I can do that. I don't know if they'll like me. I don't know if I've got anything to offer here. I, I, I don't know if I can... Does anyone? Andy, do you have that? Yeah, sometimes, okay, right. Larry, yeah. well, okay, we're finally, we're all in the one. So, so seriously, that's, that's us, isn't it? It's that other voice that just tells us, I don't feel confident. But when, when what was Jesus battling at Gethsemane? Probably this one. I can't do this. All of humanity and history rests on the next two days. Can I do this? What, I, I understand something. God, I can't do this. I'm sweating blood. I can't do this. I wonder if this was what this was. That's what Jesus was actually battling with. I wonder if his self-talk had, had got him doubting a whole But Yes, it's your grandfather. <laughs> yeah, hello. How are you? Um, I wonder if the self-talk actually was telling him that you, you, you can't do this. All of that self-talk, we can choose to listen to that, but maybe if we can recognise it, then we recognise we have a choice because we've got all of our self-talk telling us what's not possible because we know us. We know we're not crash hot. But it's not about whether we're crash hot or not. It's actually about the fact that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us as believers and he can strengthen us which is where this little verse comes in and it's out of Philippians 4 and I, I love I love all of Paul's stuff but I like this Paul's reflecting on his journey which had so many ups and downs and hard things and good things and everything in between I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this. I can handle any situation that I come across, whether it's full and abundant, whether it is steeped in poverty, I can handle absolutely any situation and he tells us why I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So can I encourage us on the self-talk, the voice of ourselves, to recognise you and I have a really clear choice. We can take that and say, actually, it's not about me. You're right. I don't, I'm not crash hot. 
I'm not the, the best of this or the most. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm nothing special, but you are. And because of that, I can be confident that when I don't know what to do, you're going to help me. When I don't know the answer, I'll get some wisdom from heaven that gives me the answer. When I don't know if I can endure anymore by your Holy Spirit, I know I can because Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I know how to access you, God. And if I know how to access you, that's all I need. So may we grow in our capacity to, to actually hear God's voice and have to make it... It comes down to decision, doesn't it? Are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe Philippians? What, what are we going to believe? And that's why coming back to reading the Word is so important. It'll just centre us on what actually has power and strength in it. So, tomorrow morning, and every morning, let's make a decision. And when we, I'm um, just going to finish with this, I think, let me just check, because I haven't actually run through this before I've preached. So, yeah, okay, almost done. When we talk about becoming a Christian, we say, I've made a decision to follow Christ. It's a one-off thing that we did sometime in the future if you're a Christian. If you haven't done it yet and today encourages you that your life could be different and amazing and strong, then it's a decision you can make even today. At the end, talk to these guys, talk to someone who brought you or someone who loves you who's a Christian, they'll help you out. But I wonder... I think it might be a better way to think about making a decision to follow Christ, maybe as a daily thing. Maybe every morning before we wake up or every night before we go to bed or whatever, we just say, today, Jesus, I want your voice to be the voice I follow. I want to hear your plan for my day. Today, Jesus, I decide to follow you. I wonder if that would help with the other voices. I wonder if that would help with us being saturated with so many other voices throughout our day. I wonder if every day we could wake up and say, I make a decision today, Jesus, to follow you and to put your voice first and to respond. I think that could be a really helpful thing for every single one of us. So tomorrow morning when we wake up, maybe we start with that. Let's make a decision today to follow you. So this morning, in summary... Make sure, I hope this today helped us make sure we have enough information to understand how to identify God's voice speaking to us and to actually push those other ones out, that's number one. And number two, understand that so often it's, we have a choice to make about which voice we listen to and the things that we're going to actually pay attention to throughout our day. And so... They're the two things I hope that today has achieved in Jesus' name. And when I look at the church, what do I see when I look at the church among other things? I just see a group of really high-functioning people who know how to make a difference in their world. They're strong. They're confident. They know what God has said to them. They're not bound by torment. They're not influenced by the marination of the world. They're not plagued by self-doubt but they've learnt just to take time out to separate and to come under the Word of God and let it build and strengthen and do something in them so that we can become incredibly effective in our world. That's what I see. That we actually have learnt what we need to learn so that the stuff we know we can pass on to others. So I'm going to pray. Maybe let's just stand. I'm going to pray.
to finish with one Bible verse. And um, a little disturbing fact before I read this Bible verse. Some of the hardest families I work with Monday to Friday are Christian families. Some of them have the narrowest minds and are the proudest and most hard and resistant to change. This should not be. We should be the best. We should be salt and light. Let me finish with Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You and I, we are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single one of us here today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, first of all, who leads and guides, speaks words of life to us. I thank you for your word, which just builds rock-solid foundations in our life. And for every one of us here, I just pray for centering in now on your voice, your truth, your words, trumping all other voices. And Father, may we decide daily to allow your word be the guide and the rock upon which we'll fix our hope our lives. Father, I pray for a flourishing, an effectiveness, a fruitfulness in every single one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. We're just going to finish by singing Grace to Grace. And uh, oh, that was such a good word. Thank you, Dad, wasn't it? Pastor Mark. And I love Psalm 46 in the message where it just says, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God above politics above everything and uh, what dad was talking about stepping away from that the traffic the voice of society the torment our own voices and taking a long look at God and his word that was so good and as we sing this song grace to grace you know it says when I see that cross I see freedom and how powerful is the word of God and when we fix our eyes on him to shift our perspective and so I love that because it's saying I might be looking at dark situations but because of you Jesus we can see life and so we're going to sing this as a declaration and um, we're going to fix our eyes on God, step out of the traffic. Maybe, maybe we, we recognise that we've got a little bit caught up, as Dad said, or maybe on our own voice or the society's voice or Tom Ann. And may just this song be a chance to centre ourselves, focus on God. And um, may it be a declaration. Thanks, Lee and Jen. <laughs>